Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bowlology Report. My name's Damien Fleming, and we've got a cracker. Coming up, we've got that bubbly Aussie opening batsman, Marcus Harris, and keeping with our footballers who like their cricket, particularly when they're growing up, theme from last week with Tyson Goldsack, we've got uh, former Richmond, former Giants footballer and former Victorian under-17 cricketer, I'll say he's a superstar, under-17 age, Brett Delidio, but of course, our co-host, and Mount Bigley Secondary College's greatest, Peter Hanscom. Pete, how are you? I'm great, Flem. Thanks for that amazing introduction. Again, always good. What, uh, what was happening cricket-wise at Mount Waverley Second, Secondary College? Mate, we would play one round robin a year um, <laughs> in the zone, in the, in the zonings. If you managed to win that, I think they were like nine over games. Um, yep. You play a little round robin. If you win that, you move on to your districts, and then if you, if you win that, you go on to states. So um, we were competitive-ish, but the, you know we didn't have a lot of depth for them. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's not a million miles. I'm a lot older than you, but we, yeah, we were around that nine ten over mark. We, I think we might have had three games, which you had to win. Then you got going, but. Um, yeah, the school system, particularly the public school system, is really uh, providing um, some pretty good cricketers or cricketers' opportunities. Ten over, nine over cricket. You, you might be the originator. Yeah, or maybe it's the way forward. People are just liking shortened versions of everything. So yeah, we got twenty twenty cricket. Let's make it nine over cricket. Let's get get whatever, get the five five over cricket going, and then we'll get about ten over, ten games of one over cricket in. Geez, it'd be good to call. You'd be up for it, wouldn't you? <laughs> Jeez, you wouldn't want to be back. <laughs> You'd be swinging hard. <laughs> hey, Pete, let's get straight into it uh, this week. And, and, of course, your little segment in what you need to know in cricket this week. Far away, Pete. Yeah, um, I guess the big news uh, in cricket this week, Flem, was the England-Pakistan uh, test, or at least it was for me. Um, hell of a test. Very, test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ebbs and flows. That's what we like about the long format of the game. Um, you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need the four to five days to play a test match. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome, awesome to watch. That first innings. Uh, Sean Massoud opening the batting 156 thanks for coming like it's always it's hard coming in for the first test first inning oh. when you haven't seen conditions and he's he's come in batted beautifully 
And what I like, him, isn't it? I'm sorry. I think it's three hundreds in a row for him. Yeah, in three tests. Yeah, the the third Pakistan opener to to do that ever. Um, so pretty impressive stuff. And what do I like, the other, a, do you want to name the other two? Got no idea, mate. Do you have? Do you, Same, mate. I, yeah, I'll, I'll just have, I'll have a guess. I'll go say it, Amwar, and um, most of them can't. No idea. Beauty. Well, maybe someone listening to this can tell us uh, <laughs> after they've after they've done a bit of research. But um, he had a lovely, lovely temperament of thought. Um, but this might be the secret. He uses the uh, Keeley bats, which is actually an English brand cricket bat. Just a, a lot of county cricketers use them. So I thought maybe you know he's he's gone over there got into the English conditions, really embraced it, and gone with a local local cricket bat. Well, maybe instead of using jute balls in the second half of the shield, yeah, uh, every batsman should use uh, a keeler or an English-type uh, willow, prepare themselves. Just get ready for it, yeah. It just must be something different, something in the wood, Flem. No, I, I like um, it. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our man uh, we mentioned last week, Baba Azam, um, looking great. Again, that first innings, uh, 69 he was just he just looked in control. I love I love his his straight lines when he's batting. Him and him and Coley look similar. Um and just just classy, like you know when you, you think like textbook cricket, they're just just beautiful to watch and, and I think uh, exciting things watching him over the next two tests. I'm I'm hoping that he can uh, continue to pile on the runs. Hey and Pete, you know what hurt him? The end of the day. He needed to keep batting, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah just, that must that's annoy you, you know, yourself even. You know, just that starting when you're on a pretty good score. Yeah, it can go one of two ways. It's um, you either have to start again and you're like, oh, you know, bloody hell, here we go, Get try and get my iron again. Or you walk out there going, beauty, I'm already on 60. If I get out first ball, I've still got 60 and I haven't got a duck. So happy days. Yeah. Um, no, I'd take so, yeah, 60. And, I'd take the 60, mate. I'd take anything in test cricket at the moment, Flynn. Um, and again, looking uh, well, looking at the bowlers, uh, yes, you Shah doing the damage um, for Pakistan in that in that first innings. He's he's just classy. He looks like he takes wickets all all around the globe, which is awesome to watch. And, and it's what you want from your spinner. Um, he's impressive and just just gets better with getting better with age, Flynn. Yeah, and I thought. They had a re- quite a good balanced attack, Pakistan. You know, when I heard it was a bit dry early, I went, oh, I tell you what, if they can get first innings runs, because, um, you know, a Freedy left arm pace swing, I think he's going to take hundreds of wickets. Uh, a bass in English conditions, even though it was dry, uh, he's new ball bowling. And Jaheen, the, the quick, um, probably the only thing they lacked, I mean, generally they've got a, a top order batsman who bowls quite handy off spin like a Shah Malik or Muhammad Afiz. Yeah. Um, and Shadap Khan didn't didn't really um, get going for him. But I still thought it was a pretty good attack in that in that conditions. Great attack and a lovely mixture between experience and, and just youthful um, out and out exuberance. Um, which I love because it means the youngsters yeah. are learning the experience there as well. But you know, sometimes when you're a little bit older, you, you like the young boys to, to give you that energy to, to keep you going and, and push yeah. you through that, that third session, that last hour of the day where the legs start to get a little bit heavy. 
Um, and what, what about England? You know, the first thing's knocked over. Where, where, how do you rate Oli Pope? He looks a good player for me. Really, really liking uh, Oli Pope. He sets up beautifully. He's owning his game, which is what I like to see. And he looks positive out there. He, he looks to go out there and try and score. Um, so if, you, if you're bowling a bad ball to Oli Pope, he's, he's hitting it for four or he's, he's getting up the other end and it's, that's putting pressure back on the bowlers, which is yeah, is great to see this. Um, great to see it from him, uh, and I think you know potentially a couple of the other English batters could maybe take something from that and um, maybe try and be that that little bit more positive. Which is what, funnily enough, we saw in the second innings, <laughs> um, and it and it worked out. Um, uh, I, I must admit, I was. Barracking for Pakistan on that last day. They oh, had yeah. him in trouble, didn't they? But um, some good performances, as you said, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going into that second innings, um, which is a shame. Yeah, just that, that Pakistan just didn't quite get going with the bat. A couple of starts, but nothing to really write home about. And unfortunately, yeah, out for 169 with a lead of 270-odd, um, which you think, you know, a fourth innings chase – uh, Flemma, that's tough. Anything over that's a big one. Yeah, it starts to get starts to get twitchy. You have to bat some time. Um, again, there's going to be ebbs and flows in the in the fourth innings generally, especially if you're going to win it. Um, and and that's that's kind of exactly how it played out. I mean, England started relatively well uh, with the bat, um, but then you know they oh. they lost four four for thirty. Uh, and you're thinking, here we go, Pakistan. Game over. Thanks, thanks for coming. They still need, still need 160 runs, 150 runs to to get the game with two batters and some bowlers to come. Um, but yeah, two guys, you know, that probably you know for their standards they've been they've been struggling a little bit lately. Um, what I've loved is that they've been backed in again and backed in and backed in and it. It's been rewarded um, with Butler and Wokes, 75 and 84 not out respectively. Um, yeah, they single-handedly won that chase. I reckon that was yeah, that was that was awesome. 140 run stand, uh, and you need they had a bit of luck. Uh, a couple of balls falling short of some fielders and a couple of pop-ups that just didn't quite get there. But to win games of cricket, you need a little, little bit of luck as well, and and um, no, I thought they were very, very impressive. And, and they would do some runs and they, they delivered when it was needed. Yeah, I mean, good summary, really. I mean, you say, once you're chasing over 250, you need something special. And, and they got something special, didn't they? You know, Butler, you know, played his own natural game. I, I was really, um, I really like Chris Wokes as a player, but, you know, particularly England, you know, you know, his bowling's first class and, and probably he hadn't got runs for, for a fair while. But you know what I liked about it? He, he was really assertive straight away. You know, if it's yep. there to hit, he put it away. He's quite a correct tail ender, isn't he? I mean, he's not a tail ender in county cricket, averaging mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Pakistan lost their way a bit, though. You, you said there was a few opportunities, but tactically they were yeah. getting it wrong, I reckon. You know, uh their short ball setup wasn't really there, you know, forcing them back. That then, then going full, it just 
Um, it seemed a bit disjointed and, um, yeah, I, I didn't think Shadab can bowl very well either. Yeah, maybe mm. it was a bit more of the same, but, I mean, he's a lot taller, bowls more wrongins than, um, mm. yes, he's sharp. He, he didn't really land yeah. him. And an off-spinner would have been really handy, I reckon. Yeah, even just a type and end as well, potentially an off-spinner can just, um, you know, maybe go at two and over and you set a relatively defensive field with a couple of men um, catching around the bat in case something, you know, does pop up. Um, but... Yeah, they, they sort of seemed as if they were caught caught between plans. Um, didn't quite commit to bounce a plan, didn't quite commit to just top of off um, stunt plan. And I think that allowed England to get away with some boundaries. And in England, they've got incredibly fast outfield. So even if you have got a sweeper out, um, either on the leg side or offside, if you hit it well enough, you can beat the man out there and still get the four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when mm-hmm. it's uh, and um and as someone said, they didn't send in a night watchman. They they sent in a chase watchman. This this was Dewey awesome. Broad got himself up the left up the order. Mate, this is my favourite part of this entire game. Um, <laughs> Broad's turning himself into a into a genuine all rounder almost, and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, but great, <laughs> great, great play and great initiative from Root as well. Um, like wicket falls, the new ball is maybe I think it was two overs, two overs away uh, ish. Sends out broad left hand batter instead of a right hand batter with the ball spinning back in, and basically, I mean, must have just told him like, go for it, mate. Just sweep, sweep the house down against the spinners and just try and do something against the quicks. And he comes out like they needed twenty one runs. He comes out, gets a like. Seven off four balls um, before getting out about five balls later, but that that just took the pressure off Wokes. Um, it, it meant he didn't have to spoil yeah. a run. He sits on his bat a little bit, and then he can he can finish the job when they need ten runs or so to to get. And I thought, oh, that was great. I'm all for that. <laughs> no, he's had nothing to lose. But for blokes that have missed out on Test cricket, the first Test, Wokes and Broad have had. A pretty good summer so far with two to go, but hopefully that's the standard. Hopefully Pakistan don't drop off like the West Indies, and that that they can keep competing. Because I thought it was a that would have been a real cross against England cricket team because that's their fourth test for the summer, so they're cricket yeah. fit. Not all of them have played every test, but Pakistan to come in cold like that and and compete hard and you know virtually win it, I, I thought was outstanding. So. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's not many times the the ICC match referee you know grounds a player or or similar, but um, Chris Broad find his son fifteen oh, percent no. of his <laughs> match fee really? for language. So I think Stuart yeah. tweeted uh, no Christmas presents for Dad this time, but that's got to be a first. Wonder if Chris has just pocketed the fine and said thanks for coming. That can be the Christmas <laughs> present. Um, But uh, I think the big one coming up for those next two tests as well, um, Stokes to miss the next two tests. It's going to be be big. And obviously there's something going on there with Stokes and his family and and hope everything's okay. Um, But, yeah, I think that's going to be a big loss there to to England. And he's been batting four. So, you know, what do they do with the order? And he just got a couple of wickets when they, they desperately needed those. In the second mm. innings, so you know a three and one cricket, um, 
you know, they've got they've got a hub, they've got a the group of players. Obviously, they're not going to be able to replace a like for like, are they? Um, no, no. So it's whether they go the extra batter or the extra bowler, and yeah, I guess you know with the tail doing a bit of wagging now, maybe they go the extra bowler and um and see how they go. But only uh, well, the test starts tomorrow, so I guess we'll find out and we'll be able yeah. to report about it next week. I think they'll they'll use a batter because Butler batted six anyway, didn't he? You know they played the five bowlers, so. Um, yep. But yeah, can't wait for that one, Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And moving on, we're well, staying in England anyway. Um, just a little bit of county cricket news, uh, and this this game excited me. Um, Kent versus Sussex. <laughs> uh, Flem, if you saw Sussex, Sussex. Bat first, make a very reasonable total of 332 uh, all out. And then Ken come out, make one for 530. <laughs> and the only reason they, they stopped at 530 was because there was a compulsory declaration after 120 <laughs> overs. They could have gone on made another bloody 400 runs. But there was still enough time. Um, and then, and so that's, that's credited to a young... 19-year-old in Cox, uh, 238 not out. Not a bad um, high score in first-class cricket at the age of 19. Yeah. And that's, that's a pretty impressive way to, to do it. I don't think, um, you know, when we, when we get a high score, you, you, have, to, you have to buy beers. So uh, he would have bought, <laughs> bought his slab. And I don't reckon, you know, he'll be, he'll be buying a slab there for a little while unless he, unless he no. keeps going. That's, that's the way to do it. Go big first. Um, and then, uh, and then leaning as well. He'd made the move from Yorkshire, who was middle order batsman for them, doing some good things. But he's made the move, got the opportunity at three, and made two hundred and twenty uh, not out. That's great, great to see. Um, especially when, yeah, you decide to to take that chance at another team, um, and it's it's worked out for him. He's got that opportunity, uh, so that's, that's awesome. And he's a good bloke as well. I like Jack. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately for Jordan Cox, though, he won't be able to back it up because uh, he's out for um, breaking the social distancing protocols. Oh, he actually, no. a young fella, a young fans asked for a photo, boom, out. Oh, stiff, just trying to do the right thing, give back to the community, give back to the fans. He's Go gone. On. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I guess we've got, you've got to know these things in this, in this climate, but, geez, that's stiff. That is stiff, but uh, I think he'll get back in. Yeah, I think he'll probably get another chance. But the um, the one that stood out for me, and now we've got two double hundreds, but this still this still takes the cake for me. It's Darren Stevens is still running in, bowling medium pace at 44 years old. Um, now, I'm 29, and I did a little bit of training today, and my back is that sore, uh, and I didn't even bowl, so... For him to come in at 44 years old and take five for 50 on day three of 15 overs, um, bloody impressive for him. He's just—it's awesome to see. It's just starting, isn't it? Like he took up bowling mid 30s, seriously. And I and I looked up—he's got more first-class wickets than me. He's got about 550. But no, he, could, what, he could keep going until he's 50. This is this is crazy. But what a win! I've, yeah. I've never heard of winning by an innings um, and only losing one wicket yourself. <laughs> and on and on the third day as well. It's just 
just kept the game moving forward, and that's that's what I like. It's entertaining cricket, runs being scored, wickets being taken. How good? No, I just like in isolation. Cricket still brings up things that you you you'd think you'd never see, and um, that certainly ticks that that box. Yeah, sure did, Flynn, and and that's uh, that's what I've got for news for Newsweek. Okay, so uh, that was Pete's what you need to know in cricket this week. Hey, Pete, first guest. I tell you what, this time last year, he was preparing to get himself back into the Ashes series for the third test, facing Archer and Broad and Co. He's a teammate of yours in Victoria. He's a he's a great man. He's a great personality. Well, and of course, Marcus Harris. Harry, I know you faced Archer and Broad, but I don't think anything's prepared you for the Bowlology Report podcast. No, I think this might be a bit harder than Edge Baston in the rain. Edge Baston, <laughs> Headingley, Headingley. Ooh, oh, yeah. And there's clouds at Headingley, mate. That's oh. And you win the toss and bat. <laughs> Look up, not it, down there. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Like, you talk to the sports scientists. They say um, humid, cloudy conditions have nothing to do with the ball. But Headingley is one place, isn't it? That if it's sunny, it is flat and runs, Phil. And then when the cloud comes over, the, the, the quicks are back in the game, aren't they? Well, it was funny last year. Um, like you said, that was the first test I played and we won the toss because the wicket was actually really dry, but it was sort of like, you know, that crappy rain you get in England, like that mizzle sort of stuff, and it was really dark. Um, and somehow we got through that first day and we ended up getting like 160. And then the next day, the way it always is in England, England are batting and the sun comes out. But we bowled them out for 60, so I don't know what to make of that, but it's just the way that it went. <laughs> I reckon that's it's like you talk about the conditions there. I reckon Headingley and Lords are the two places, speaking to the county players as well, where you basically disregard the wicket almost. And if it's a good day, you just bat. And if it's a bit cloudy, yeah. like, all right, well, we'll take it on. Everywhere else seems yeah. to be a bit of whatever. But yeah, those two places, it's, it's incredible how much it changes. Yeah, it's not fun playing over there all the time. <laughs> no, we'll get it. No. We'll get into that, Harry. Just firstly, though, um, in lockdown, um, watch the test, the Prime Amazon doco. Um, what what were your thoughts when they were – did you did you get a heads up on what it was going to be or did it just evolve? And, and, and secondly, you know, who were the star performers? Like as soon as the cameras were on, who, who wanted to get themselves in there? Um, well, I – when I first got picked in the squad was they'd just started making it. So I didn't know, I'd never been in and around the Australian team before. So I wasn't sure if it was anything too indifferent. So it just sort of took it in my stride a little bit. Um, and what uh, Petey can attest to it, Doc, the guy that filmed it all, he's just, it was just like another bloke that was there. Um, and he was really good after a little while, you just forget that he was there and you just went about your business. But um I think from watching it, you can sort of tell, like you can, like when we're in England, Mitch Marsh. Every time yeah. the camera's going to be doing something stupid, um, <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever looked at Peter Siddle's Instagram, but he always knows when there's a camera around. He's got professional shots everywhere, so he was pretty clever. But 
I think one man that never looks any, nothing comes bad of him in any sort of media is the coach. And I think he's got that pretty under control. And I fair say he knows when the camera's on and off. So, <laughs> but yeah. he's good at that. But a lot of the boys, like I said, by the end, like Doc was just another one of the support staff. There's a hundred of them, but he was one of them. So um, you just forget that he's there. Yeah, he was great. Doc or Andre. Mulga, Mulga, however you say his last name. I don't know how to say his Um, last name. Yeah, Doc's easy. Um, Doc. But you'd be be mid-conversation somewhere in the dressing room and you think it's relatively private and then you look over your shoulder and there's the Doc (laughs) sitting in the corner just filming everything that you're saying. And what the sneaky sneaky bugger started, what was doing was like he would set up stationary like little GoPros in the change rooms as well. So he obviously didn't have to be there. Like he'd catch a few dummy spits and all sorts of stuff. You know, like I remember, I think Finch had got out in Adelaide in my first test and he um, was, I think it was caught short leg off Ashwin and he came up to me and he goes, oh, um, what do you reckon? I was like, oh, God. I said, it, I said, couldn't really tell from my end, but if I said, if you didn't feel anything, review it. And he was like, oh, like just didn't really, like he'd only played a few tests. So he didn't review it, and then you watch the you watch the documentary, and JL's coming down the stairs at a million miles an hour, and Doc's following him, and then you got the, the stationary camera in the change rooms, and Finchie's walking in, going, "Oh, what's going on?" Then JL's coming in, they meet in the middle. I was like, "Oh, what did Harry say?" I was like, oh, "I don't know, mate." <laughs> but it's <was> terrifying. <laughs> that was one oh. moment because I, I know there's some players. If the coach went to some players in my um, era, there, there would have been a full blown. Um, fight now i know alfie's a black belt in origami or something like that but um i thought finchy held it pretty well because he's disappointed he got out too yeah i think um at that stage uh, with the test side we'd sort of just come out the back of all the stuff in south africa and we're all of it we're all pretty new to the side besides a couple of the older bowlers um even finchy's obviously the t- uh, one day captain but he'd only played i think that might have been his third test so when the bloke's the coach and he's played 100 tests, probably haven't got a leg to stand on to try and punch his lights out. <laughs> and, mate, what about back to the to the Ashes series? How hard was it um, early, you know, missing out and, and watching? You know, you'd, you'd have to say um, pretty good debut summer. It wasn't against India and um, probably the only thing is you didn't go on to get a big score, but um, pretty tough, you know, running out the drinks early on. Yeah, it was an interesting, like the back end of the summer, we had those two tests against Sri Lanka and I didn't um, didn't happen to get runs in Monaco and everyone else got runs. So I sort of left myself open a little bit um, to leave my spot up for grabs a bit. But then um, once we finally got over to England with the Aussie A stuff, I started really well over there with that. So I was pretty confident going into, definitely going into the Australia versus Australia A game down in Southampton. Um and then we play. It was a pretty tough wicket. Petey can Petey had to play that game, and it wasn't great. Um, so no one really got any runs. But then Bangers, to his great credit, batted the way that he did. Got ninety when no one else got any runs. So I think that was at the front of minds for people with picking sides. So you sort of you're disappointed not the side, and you obviously want to be playing. But you know it is what it is, and you understand that it's the five test sort of series. So you just think, well, do everything right in the nets. Everything in the tour games we're going to get to play. Make sure I do that right. So. Um, it was disappointing not to start, but I knew that with it being a five-test series that I was hoping that my opportunity would come just to make sure I worked hard and did the right things and um, batted well in the tour games, which I did. So um, it was disappointing not to start, but I was always uh, like, hopeful of getting an opportunity throughout the series. 
So when you're, you're talking about you're going away, you're working in the nets and, and the tour games, was there anything you were trying to do do differently or work on in that stage or was it basically like just go back to what you know, uh, trust your process and, and know that that'll, that'll put you in good stead for, you know, if and when you get picked? Well, when I got over there, the hardest, well, our prep, the main prep was back here in Melbourne, like in the indoor centre on the hard wicket. So, like, you try and replicate as much as you can, but it's obviously not the same. But then we got over to England and we had the tour game against Sussex and you play a couple of those. I got 100 in the first game, but um, I think, like, both you guys know on those tour games, they roll out, some can roll out some interesting sides. So, um, but we had a good hit out against the England Lions. So, I was confident... Um, I was just, I hadn't played in England rather than, other than league cricket. So I knew it was going to be different to what I'd experienced before. So I was just trying to get used to the wickets, trying to find a method that worked. Um, and I felt like that was working um, up until I got my opportunity to finally get a game. And you've gone, well, I mean, you said it there, you've basically gone from league cricket to, to test cricket in the space of a couple of games in, in English conditions. Um, and then up against Broad, Archer, um, guys that actually, like, they dominate left-handers or they feel like they get a good result against left-handers. And you look at Broad's stats, it's, it's amazing the difference between his left-handers and right-handers dismissals. How, well, like, what are you thinking, mate, going into that third test? Like, you've seen what they've been doing. Um, how, are you, how are you preparing yourself mentally to try and, to try and get in this battle? Well, I was just happy to be playing. Like, I was at that stage, I was really confident. I'd come off the back of a good summer um, and I was really chomping at the bit to get in the side. So I wasn't um, – I'd, I'd seen that he'd troubled, troubled Davey a fair bit and, you know, Davey come back off a really come off the back of a really good World Cup. Um, so I knew it was going to be a challenge. And um, even after the first innings at Headingley, I got out to a pretty good ball from Jofra. Um so it's just one of those ones that open. you go, all righty, I've nicked off. It doesn't matter. You know, get on with it with the next dig. And then, um, oh, then I got out to Leach in the second dig, I think, for about 20. But um, after the first test I played, I wasn't – I thought I could – I had a good plan to broad with trying to sort of bat off on and off stump, on and around, and then sort of try and get outside the line a little bit just with the way that I'd set up against him in that test. But then – you know, it's like the cheeky bugger is, buddy, taking 500 <laughs> test wickets for a reason. But he's sort of bowling these wobble seams at you that are nipping away, then he nips one back in, and then, you know, you get out twice on a umpire's call, LBW, so you're like, well, fuck me. But um, <laughs> sorry about the swearing, Flynn. <laughs> no, no um, problems. <laughs> but that, so that was the challenge. It was sort of, I try. I worked on a few things. I know, and then going to the last test, um, I'd had a actually Smithy threw me balls for about forty five minutes just trying to ask him, you know, any tips I can do. He goes, just don't miss the ball in your pads. So I said, oh, that's easy for you. But um, <laughs> so it was just hard. Like the way that I've been taught to play and I've grown up to play in sort of the Australian way is to stand there and hit the ball back down the ground. Um, and in England, that's not always that easy. So that's what was trying to work things out on the go a little bit was. I'm trying to get myself outside the line of the off stump to Stuart Broad, who's been troubling all the left-handers, but then he's nipping it back at my pads and I'm getting caught in line because I'm trying to cover my stump so much and not getting nicked off. So um, that was one of the great challenges. And I think it's one of those things. It'll just be next time I go back over, whether it's county cricket, club cricket, international cricket, I think you're better for the run and, you know, hopefully got a better game plan. And I reckon the tough thing is, anyway. yeah, Harry is 
you went to Smithy, but you, you probably couldn't go to Dave because just about every innings, Dave was trying something different. Um, and, and the ball that I found incredible from Broad, wide from the crease, and to be able to – it wasn't swinging, it, it was seaming. And, and yeah. um, so both of you were trying to cover your stumps and you still had that ability to um, seam it away. It was incredible. Yeah, I remember speaking to Davey, just asking what he was trying to do, and he was saying the same sort of thing. Um, obviously, <laughs> average, he, he, he averages nearly 50 in test cricket, so he didn't have too much to worry about. That's what I said. And I said, mate, you'll be fine. you go home and make a million runs, but I'm trying to keep me spot on the side. But um, it was sort of, um, I don't know how to say it, not good, but it's sort of, you go, well, I'm not the only bloke that's battling out here in these conditions. So you sort of, and I remember saying that to Trevor Holmes after the series. I said, you know, it was a tough it was tough conditions to open to. I think the only bloke in the whole series that actually did all right, the opening batsman was Rory Burns. So mm. um, I'm not sure you're going to try and replicate how he bats, but just the oh, way thanks. he applied himself. <laughs> but the way he applied himself and went about it in those conditions, I think probably could have taken a bit more from that at the time, um, looking back at it. But, yeah, like you said, when some, I think as a batsman, I know, well, especially as an opening batsman, and we learned from playing with a Duke ball in Australia, it's quite easy. It's easier to set up for swing than what it is to set up for seam. So you know which way the bloke's going to try and swing it, but if you don't know which way the bloke's trying to seam it, how are you supposed to know? So if he doesn't know, so that was a challenge. Um, and like I said, going forward, I think you even watched like the, the other day in the Pakistan and the West Indian series, it's been the same story. Blokes have struggled early on. So um, mm. it's just one of those things. And I think as well, one of the things that did go under the radar was a little bit that they used the juke board they'd used in, County cricket, I think it was the season before or something like that with the biggest seam on it, um, which I would do if I was them as well. So that was another challenge that uh, we had to face. Yeah, it was funny that, Flynn, we kind of mentioned that uh, last podcast, but with the cooker ball, um, yes. how sometimes there's just a good batch of balls and uh, they swing more or seam more. And if you're the home team, you're, you're just going to find that, that batch like a fine wine. It's a good year of making balls. So get that batch and, and you know, help your, your your home team advantage. And to both of you boys, in hindsight, using the Duke ball for the second half of the year, it, it didn't seem to have any effect um, on our batting in that series. You know, Smithy's a bit of a freak. Marnus had been playing county cricket and getting runs. Um, so we might, well, we are going back to, they're going to have to deal with the Kookaburra out here and, and we're going to have to deal with the, the Duke over there. Well, my opinion is that the way that the Duke um, performed over here is so different to the way it is over in England that it wasn't really comparable. Like they were, it was, I thought it was, it kept the games interesting here, but they were also juicing the wickets up. So it was sort of, if it was a kookaburra ball, it'd be seeming all over the place. So it didn't really make too much of a difference. But I think like the best preparation you see is like a guy like Marnie going to play 10 county games before he even plays a tour game for Australia. And that was the best preparation of anyone. And then, the guys that had been playing in the World Cup did well. So I think that's probably the best preparation. I know it was a good – I found the cricket was interesting with the Duke ball in Australia, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think it went a bit far the other way. I, like, I sort of agree with the things that Stephen O'Keefe spoken about with sort of phasing out the spinners. It was really tough, you know, to play on grounds towards the end of a season and have a, you know, like a Johnny Holland spinner team out to win a – like bowl you to victory or anything like that. It didn't happen that much anymore. So – It'd be interesting to see how it goes this summer now that we're going back to the Kookaburra. 
Hopefully some flatter wickets, H. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I think the junction's been doing too much. Oh, the junction. <laughs> By the way. Yeah. Hey, um, just on Marnus, at, at what stage did the team start to pick up that he was trying to morph into Stephen Smith? Was I it think, as soon as he um, made the test team or, you know, when? when? Well, he's just like, he's. A, I've never seen anyone like that loved something so much and is so passionate, like literally he's just a nuffy, like a massive just enough, <laughs> like doesn't, like he won't even, like there's blokes that love it, but then there's blokes who will go and have a beer and like switch off and, you know, talk crap with your mates. But Marnie's literally cricket 24-7 and um, I think when he started, he... He actually struggled the back of the Shield season just before he went to England. And then he went to England and sort of the floodgates opened a little bit. And I remember he batted really well in Southampton on that tough wicket. He got a really good 40. I think he got 40 out of something. But he batted really well and he was sort of walking in front of his stumps a bit more and moving around a bit and doing a few different things. So, But to be fair, no one really knew that um, or had seen how much he improved until he went out and batted in that test match in Lords when he copped that one in the gob first ball and then proceeded to get a really good, I think it was 50 to sort of save the game with Hetty. But, um, yeah, to his credit, he did really well. But he was – him and – I think Smithy equally loves him just as much. So I think it <laughs> goes a bit both ways. I don't think it's just Marnie. Well, Smudge has finally got someone else who loves cricket just as much as he does. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, I, Harry, we're talking about, I mean, you probably didn't even really get into that phase of, um, you know, fear of failure in England. Like you had six innings and you're always trying to work something else. But I also read an article saying, you know, the actual the fear of getting hit in that Perth test match against the Indians. I mean, that, that attack that they had for that summer was quite amazing. Can you compare their attack at home on conducive wickets compared to, to England's um, in their conditions? I think um, that the fear of getting hit one was that game in Perth when we literally all wore one. Um, and it, was it was a second more, innings mainly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was more the fact that I actually remember the first innings, me and Finch had got through to lunch and the, we never played at the ground before, but the wicket looked really green and then it was like 40 degrees. We went out after lunch and there was huge cracks that opened up in the, like day one after two hours. So I was going, oh, this is going to be a bit interesting in the second dig. And then I think in the first innings, Boomer bowled a ball. The second, he bowled a pain like a Yorker that went over the stumps. Um, and then in the second dig, Finchie got his hand blown off. I got hit in the head. Um, Uzi got hit about 10 times. He batted really well. He batted really um, so well, yeah. Was, yeah, that was a... It was more a fear of you're not sure what the wicket's going to do. And it's like the old school whacker in a way with the cracks and stuff. Um, and I think in England, there was no real fear. I think the wickets there are generally pretty even. Um, they're not as quick as the Australian wickets. But then again, at Lords, when Joffre really cranked it up and, you know, it was like a bull at a gate to Smith. You see Smithy get hit, you go, oh. I'd never worn, I'd never worn those... Um, stem guards before but before that first test in the nets i'd whack them on pretty quickly so um <laughs> but that i haven't seen too much bowling like that but um i think to india's credit they're a bit um not unsuspecting because we sort of know what they are but they're they're very accurate um mm. and boomer can bowl out and out quick and he's got a very different action at least with Joffrey, you can sort of see the ball a little bit a bit of a relatable action a little bit whereas boomer you haven't got anything you, you don't go well 
I'll face someone like that in shield cricket or I'll face someone like that in club cricket. You haven't faced anyone like that. So that's what was difficult. Um, I think the thing with Jofra was that his arms, his actions seems to be always the same pace. So it can be hard to pick up if he's going to bang one in or if he's going to try and blow your feet off or anything. So that's what was tough. So I'd like to see the, I'd like to see Jofra come out here for a summer. Um, I don't think he went quite as well in New Zealand on their wickets, but to be fair, some of those wickets weren't very good that they were bowling on. But, yeah, it'd be a good contest between both of those. He's also, uh, has also just increased the amount of cricket he's playing as well. So, um, you know, when he, in that in that Ashes series, he was relatively fresh. But since then, there's there's been a lot of cricket being played with him. And as a fast bowler, I mean, Flynn, I'm sure you attest to this, that it just... It's the workloads on your body can can start to get ridiculous, and to trying to keep bowl one hundred and fifty k, I'm I'm sure it's quite quite bloody hard. Yeah, it'll, his test of his greatness will be longevity. You know, he's got two teammates have taken over five hundred test wickets, which is which is amazing. But um, they're just going to be careful how they use him. I think Stokes's body is important for that. You know, if Stokes can can bowl between 10, 15 overs and innings out here in Australia, Archer and Slash Wood are going to be able to come on for short spells and, and bowl quick, which could have a real impact. I think as well what was funny in that Ashes series was um, obviously Joffrey had come off the back of a huge World Cup and, you know, there's a lot of hype around him. And then um, he didn't play the first test and Jimmy got injured. So I remember we, was, we spoke about the team meeting about, you know, he's going to come out, you know, really hard, but let's get him into his second and third spells. <laughs> And I think in his fourth spell was when he's bowling about 97. So, and JL's going, he can't keep bowling this quick. He can't keep bowling like this. And he just kept coming back and bowling quicker and quicker and quicker. Oh, <laughs> but it, 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 yeah, it's, 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 don't you love that? that, that that's what you miss yeah. about not being around the team is that, that sort of stuff. And um, we had um, Bucky Rogers on. Um, a couple of episodes ago, and it, 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 he gave the baggy green to Pete. Um, who gave you your baggy green, and and do you remember much of the speech? Yeah, it was actually it was a good story. So I knew a couple of days before that I was going to get my that I was going to debut, and then um, I went for lunch with Sid the day before, and I said to Sidzy, I said, "Oh, I said it'd be great if Hus could Mike Hussey could give me my hat because he gave me my WA hat." Um, so I said that'd be like a nice little, you know, a double. Um, so lo and behold, Sid's tells JL straight away. So oh, Huss, is there present, Huss was there to present me my hat and he just sort of said, you know, I remember playing with you um, at WA and you're a young little smart ass hanging shit on me about my clothes and what I was wearing and stuff like that. Um, he just said, I hope you don't change. He said, everything you've done since you've moved to Victoria has been really good. So um, just keep doing what you're doing and be yourself and, you know, have fun pretty much. Like, he's a legend, Huss. Like, he's the nicest bloke in the world. So, um, he spoke really well. But it was good It was good to be able to get it from him just with that he gave me my WA hat and I got my Australian hat from him. Yeah, it, does it – I love Mr Cricket, but does it devalue it a little bit that he he seems to hand out every second one? Well, I think because he commentates How all over the world. He does. He those, yeah, a million. <laughs> I feel like mine means a bit, though, because I know him. Some of those blokes <laughs> don't even know him. <laughs> But 
Yeah, I um, love I love the link. You're not going to have that many occasions where the person that gives yeah. you your state cap is going to be in that you know position. Aussie one, that's tremendous. Yeah, that was good. So, yeah, he's a good man, Huss. I've always stayed in contact in, with him the whole time. Um, fortunately, I played a few games with him at WA. It wasn't many. I think one of the last times I played with him, he just he did his hammy. I think it was close to around a World Cup. I might have been in India, and he was coming back. Um, and then I think the last time I would have played with him was when he was under the pump just before the Ashes um, up in Brisbane, and he got a I think he got a hundred oh, yeah. or something like that. Um, so he used to give me a couple of bats here and there. His bats were shocking, but he used to give them to me anyway. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. But um, yeah, so he's always been someone I got along with really well. Something special about a a bat that's got you know MH just on the handle. You know, especially made for him, even if. It is a piece of shit. He's still, um, it's still, you know, something magical about it. it. Gets you going. I think Nathan, it used to be funny because when we were from Perth, Flam like used to have to tee up in advance with Nathan Pillen at the time at Cookerbar to say, "Pillow, we're coming in. Can we, you know, grab some stuff?" Because we don't normally we have to ring in advance, and he would send yeah. it over to you to Perth. So going to the factory was a big thing, and I think I've gotten onto it after a little while. Was that if. You, if you hadn't played much or you're with someone that hadn't played too much or they're just a rookie, he'll do the old trick of like grab a crap bat and put someone's like Brad Haddon's initials on the handle and whack <laughs> it in the top of the box and then give it out. He goes, oh, this is one of Brad Haddon's bats. And we like, oh, yeah, this is the best bat ever. And you get him every time with it. <laughs> just a, it was funny. My, my worst scenario, well, the best bat I ever had was, yeah, Matty Hayden reject. Yeah, I mean, his worst bat was mine best by mile. But um, I, 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 my first contract was Kookaburra at 18. Three years later, I'm still in the Victorian team. They haven't said anything. I don't want to say anything. So I mentioned to David Emerson, our cricket manager, um, hey, I haven't got a bat. And Swan Richards, do you know Swanee from Grey nah. Nichols? And yeah. Great character of Australian cricket. He'd started this mob called Easton, and their first signing was Big Merv Hughes. So he used to use half a tree, basically, Merv, yeah. you know what I mean, just to smash sixes. So I was wanted to look around. Next night of training, Swan turns up with Easton gear and, and, and a bat. So I batted for about three quarters of the year. You know, I'm batting eight to 11. That's just, just couldn't get off the square. And eventually I, I rang him up, go, Swan, Mate, can I get another bat? This one, he goes, mate. Yeah, mate, that's just a signature bat. I just gave you that as a one to have a look at. <laughs> he stitched you up. Thanks, Swan. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's not Mister Cricket's bat. No, nah, but I think I think Pillow might have done it to Huss with how bad Huss's bats were. He's stitching himself up. <laughs> at least with Mister Cricket, you'd know how much they weighed. Oh, mate, scales Ridiculous. everything. You know who's like that? Sean Marsh. I was going to say, is that where Sauce got it from? Really? Yeah, and Sauce is not, he's not, uh, not he's easily influenced Sauce. I'm not going to say he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but you can go, Jesus is heavy, Sauce. He, literally after he's just put it on the scales. Oh, no. Goes, oh, shit. I can't use that. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got some bat scales that he carries around in his bag wherever he goes. And yeah, like, like you said, it could just be straight off the scale, the exact same weight as something else. Like, yeah. oh, no, a bit. Bit toe heavy, you probably shouldn't have this. I'll take it off you. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 it is a bit heavy. He's oh, as strong as an ox and he uses these bats that weigh like 2A. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Harry, uh, thanks uh, for uh, joining us here. Have you got another one, Pete? I was just going to say, mate, just a quick, a quick one yeah. on 
just uh, just what are you doing to get back in into the test side? What's what's the plan uh, moving forward? Uh, well, hopefully play some cricket. Um, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. Um, obviously, there's a lot of rumours going around about when we might play or when we might not or whatever. But um, I think until we get told we're not doing something, I think it's season as as is. But um, I think it's just it's just doing what I need to do, um, you know, concentrating on playing for Victoria and making runs. And um, I think like we've seen in the past, if we're winning games for Victoria, it tends to be blokes get picked in the test side with that, just from that. So it's pretty simple. I think you can be, when you're out of the side, you can get too worried, too caught up in what other guys are doing. So um, just sort of concentrate on myself. And um, I think the good thing sometimes about, not a good thing, but can be a bit refreshing when you're not in the side is you can just sort of go away and play state cricket and play for the big bash and just sort of, you know, roll along a little bit with not having that burden around you of, you know, going in and out of the test side. Rather, you can just, you know, get on with your business. And then I think the good thing is that, similar to me, both of us, Pete, is that we've both had a taste of it. So then once you get back there, it's not a huge shock or, you know, something really different for you. So, um, yeah. And I'm a realist. I know, like, it's not gonna, it won't happen straight away. Like, it might take a little while. But if you know, if you come out and start the summer really well, I'd be, I'm definitely prepared to get back in there. But um, if it doesn't happen straight away, then so be it. I'm content doing what I need to do for Victoria. But um, the goal is definitely to get back in the Test side. But um, that doesn't eat me up at night. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Well, I'm pumped to have you opening the batting for the Vicks and just <laughs> scoring a plethora of runs up there. I'll get in first slip as well. <laughs> is he in or not? Nah, nah he's third. Third, maybe. Third. maybe. I'm and working my way up, Flem. First one uh, out of the court as well. Going on the podcast doesn't hurt. I reckon you'll be second slip for sure, Harry. <laughs> no, that's Pete. Yeah, I'm. I'm second. Or the hammock, maybe. Who, who's yeah. fir- who's first? Shorty. Shorty's the first. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, Harry. Thanks for joining us. Um, get back in the Aussie team and we'll uh, we'll organise a return baggy green from Mr Cricket. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, boys. Cheers, mate. This. Pete, what about our next guest? He was the number one draft pick in the AFL, 275 games for the Tigers and the Giants, all Australian, best and fairest, but... It's about his cricket career that we're going to talk a fair bit today. For the fans of Victorian under-17 cricket teams over the years, he was a hard-hitting batsman, fast in-swinging bowler, probably bowled out-swingers as well. Put your hands together for Brett Deledio. Lids. Exciting to have you, Lids. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Uh, yeah, I um, hard-hitting batsman. I did enjoy a, a good time out there, Flemo and Pete, but... Um, Never too many long times out there, which is probably much to my dad's uh, disgust. He spent all that time watching me, and um, I'd often get out caught on the boundary, mate. To be honest. So you're saying you're a, you're a 2020 player before your time? I probably should have stuck at, stuck at it, Pete. To be honest, yeah, I um, I just enjoyed seeing the ball sail through the air. Uh, <laughs> seeing it go through on the on the ground through the covers wasn't as enjoyable as uh, whacking it back over Longon's head. Hey, Lynch, you grew up in um, the country. Now, your old man played one game for Carlton. Was he a, was he a cricketer as well? Is that who influenced you uh, in, a, in the playing cricket as well? Yeah, well, he, he started off, he was a tennis player um, as a kid. 
um, right the way through to about 17 or 18. And then I think he started, he picked up cricket later in his life and he was playing um, out of just a small country town when I was seven or eight. And I was feeling, I just went, used to go and watch and I'd fill in and, uh, and field uh, in the B grade or something back there. Never got the bowl or bat. I was filthy with that. But uh, yeah, probably just watching dad play early. And then we used to play in the backyard a heap, me and my brother. Um, and yeah, it was something, as, as you know, as country boys, it's usually footy, uh, footy in the winter and, and summer all through uh, the some of the cricket mill through the summer, I should say. <laughs> didn't pick up the tennis racket at any stage either? <laughs> nah, mate. I didn't have the patience for it. My back end was pus, so I, um, <laughs> yeah. I just never – cricket was way more fun because if I wasn't uh, batting, I could bowl and, um, yeah, and vice versa. So, and- yeah, tennis, mate, I was, um, yeah, rubbish at that and dad still <laughs> thinks he could beat me. <laughs> Beauty. And mate, um, what about your, your cricket and footy heroes growing up? Who were they? Yeah, so footy, I was I was a Carlton man. Obviously, Dad played the one game there, so I um I was massive Cuda Cuda fan. Um, and uh, used to love just being able to try and hold the ball in one hand like Cuda could. But then later on, I was probably more like I love Vossi uh, and the way he played because I think the Lions were so dominant uh, in you know the two thousands, early two thousands. And then later on, it was Juddy, mate. I wanted to be Juddy. Um, oh, yeah. Long sleeve, number three. Loved it. Um, so when I got to wear the number three at the Tigers, mate, I was <laughs> destined to wear the long sleeves and, uh, and the number three. I, I, I thought I was, that was it. But cricket-wise, I was probably always... I uh, loved uh, Mark Waugh and tried to emulate him, just clipping them off the pads. Loved punter. Um, could never really hook like punter could. You know, I was too scared of being hit. So <laughs> I <don't know> <laughs> Wasn't that good at that, but um, tried to bowl leggies like Warney and then um, and and line and length like uh, Pidge McGrath. So, mate, I'd um, anyone who was good at the time, I loved them. <laughs> Some good heroes. Have you got um, like a vivid memory of maybe growing up in the backyard or a uh, or a ball you bowled maybe to your old man one day or something that just just sticks that you can still see now? I can, mate, and I uh, to this day I've, I've told Dad that I meant this, but he still doesn't believe me. He, I said, come on, Dad, come back, um, and he's having a glass swirl on the Merlot. So he's got it, one hand holding the wine glass, the other hand he's trying to bat, and I've bowled this bit. I said, I'm going to try and hit this glass. He's been a smart ass, so I'm going to see if I hit this. Big in-dipper, and it's come, bounced up, bang, glass smashed everywhere. Couldn't believe it. I was... Uh, Dad was dad was ropeable and mum's just like, well, serves you right. Thought you were better than the game and uh, <laughs> he knocked out of his hands. But, yeah, that's that's a vivid memory, mate. But most of the time I was playing with my brother and him just bowling for ages because I didn't want to get out. And then uh, I'd eventually just pop him up a catch. And then he'd, uh, he'd bowl. Sorry, I'd bowl to him for two or three balls, nip him out, and then I'd uh, get back in and bat again. So he, he was filthy, mate. He'd often just throw the bat and say, I've had enough. Yeah, I used to do that with my older brother. He'd get, he'd get me out all the time. He's about eight years older. Just get me out. I'd kick the stumps over and walk in. That That'd be it. Crack yeah. it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough too. And Lids, obviously your footy and cricket were going well, so much so um, cricket-wise. You got picked in the, the big under-17 um, team in Adelaide. Or I was watching all those games because I was at the, the academy there. What, what were your memories and some of your famous, famous teammates and, and potentially the biggest wicket wicket you got in that tournament? Oh, I don't know whether I got too many wickets. Um, 
Oh, it's an opening bowler that uh, we're playing on roads over there. Geez, they were nice to bat on as a number nine batsman. Um, they weren't great to bowl on, Flynn, but um, uh, who dot we? Finchie you knocked over, uh, you're not, just before we get away, that you knocked over a, a current Australian player, not in Test cricket, but one day player who will play Test cricket from Did South I? Australia. Um, from South Australia. Plays for South Australia now. Jeez, mate, I yep. couldn't even know. <laughs> Tommy Cooper, is that what you're talking about? No, because he knew South Wales. Alex Carey. Oh, Alex Carey. Was he uh, Was he playing then? Oh, no. Uh, sorry, I saw a Carey. That would be his older brother, oh, wouldn't brother. it? Yeah, it was his yeah. older brother, Adam, Adam Carey. Yeah, take that. I, I nipped him out, mate. I remember that ball too. It was uh, <laughs> one of the better balls I bowled for the carnival. Um, <laughs> with, uh, all these wraps yeah. on him and I was this, – this was the road, that, that deck. Uh, <laughs> Shawnee Dean made 202. I was next in. He just wouldn't go out. But um, – we, uh, yeah, Finchie was our captain. Obviously, he was um, destined for bigger things. We knew that all the way through. Um, who else was in our team? Uh, Mark Murphy, who now, yeah. obviously, Carlton, ex-skipper, um, superstar at Carlton. Stevie Gilmore, who was on the Vicks list there for a little while. Yeah. Big, um, yeah, big hat. We were, um, we were opening bowling partners. He was, obviously, a fair bit quicker than me. But, uh, and then we played, obviously, against Tommy Cooper, who was player of the carnival. Davey Warner was in that. Uh, Jackson yeah. Bird played for New South. Um, yeah, mate, we were, we were the best team in it, which was good. So we um, only had to play out a draw in the in the final to, to win it. So it was, uh, yeah, good fun. I'm glad glad you brought up that that last game there, Lids, because um, I mean, you said Finch went on to bigger and better things, but in that game, he only got 34, and you second top scored with 85. So I'm I'm feeling that you know, had you chosen cricket. Um, <laughs> You know, he could have been captain Australia now. Well, it's funny you say that, Pete. After some terrible games, mate, I um, I have often rued the fact that I never went to play cricket. Um, <laughs> fed up with footy at times. But, um, yeah, mate, that final was um, – I remember Cam Matthews, who I actually went yeah. – he was at Hawthorne when I went uh, went down there. Big Kanga, he was uh, he was our coach. And he said to me, mate, if you can give me an hour, because we, we just had to bat it out. So, um you give me an hour, I'll give you an hour. And I'm thinking, what's this going to mean? An hour on the piece or am I... Uh, <laughs> what's he, I didn't understand his call, but he, what he meant was he was going to let me just keep batting for an extra hour. And I was sort of like, well, that's not going to get me there. So I went with the, um, right, he's going to shout me for an hour, you know, as a young bloke. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, mate, I... Um, yeah, it was a really nice deck to bat on and um, there was no pressure, really. I just went out there and had fun. Well, I was yeah. there... Um Australian under-19 coach at that stage, so we're picking a squad, which you didn't get into. But I remember saying to Cam at some stage, going, you've got to get him up the order. We can't pick him as a number nine. But but we picked Mark Murphy, who later went number one, Shannon Hearn, and yeah. and, a, and a big kick, quick call, Cleve Hughes, who you played with at Richmond too. Yeah, Cleve, uh, he used to love um, – he was probably – he gave a little bit more almost to his cricket in the sheds than he did to some of his training sessions, I reckon. <laughs> but, uh, he's, uh, geez, he's a good-looking big rooster. I think he's a model now for Country Road. But, um, yeah, mate, I was a bit disappointed you couldn't get me in the All-Australian side. But you were selected for that, were you? I've got a bone to pick yeah. up a few people about that. Yeah, because you averaged about 60. A few more wickets might not help. But realistically, um, you know, there's still kids that come through now. You know, Will Sutherland's with the Vicks now, Pete. Um, 
But realistically, you know, cricket probably it was never an option if you're going, you know, number one or top ten, would it? Like because um, yeah. you're playing almost straight away, aren't you, football-wise? Well, I, I was doing the math. Wait, to be honest, when it came from like a, an under-15 trials, I made the footy uh, trials, but I tried out for the 15 cricket and they left me out. Um, so I was sort of like, oh, well, there you go, decision made. And then I just went with footy. From then on in, kept playing cricket because I loved it. But, um, yeah, that was where I, I thought sort of just chose my path. But there was no big bash. There was no IPL back then. There was, like, the money to be made was you're coming in on a rookie wage pretty much. And I think that was all the talk was about was coming in to play potentially as a rookie. And yeah. I was thinking, well, I can, there's eight, there was 16 teams at the time when I started footy and I'm starting on double what they're talking about for cricket, you know, with the chance of playing 11 you know, 11 players versus 18. So I just did the math, really. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. And it's, uh, you got to do that every now and then. But um, <laughs> I was talking to, I was talking to Sean Graff earlier today. Um, big Graff, he always has a few stories. And he mentioned that they actually, he got you down. Um, even just to meet the squad, meet the boys during a Shield game. Um, and one of the guys was, was actually really nice and got injured and, and even gave you a crack uh, having a field. Yeah, How'd yeah. you? How'd you go there? Oh, mate, that was against India, I remember. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. We're just, uh, yeah, by the way, we're doing, there's a thing called Diamonds in the Rough. So I think it was just all country boys come down to play, um, just doing like a week of training, extra cricket stuff. But uh, yeah, me and a couple of other boys, they just said, we're going to um, walk uh, wide up pretty much. I, I knew Matty Elliott, who was in the team at the time pretty well, obviously being a cowboy. Um so he gave me a pair of strides and, and whatever else. And I, I've come out and I'm feeling that mid-off because I think um, Hodgie, I reckon Hodgie made a heap. And so they just said, you're not coming out the field, mate. So I I'm feeling Hodgie that mid-off. <laughs> he might have made a duck, actually. He just <laughs> said, I'm not feeling. <laughs> um, but Verenda Saywag, he's batting. And, mate, he has creamed this one. And I'm trying to, like, impress. I'm thinking there's no way I'm having any misfields. I'm going to be all over it. So I'm knee down. I'm down thinking I'm, I've got this one covered. Hits my knee before I've even got my hands down. It rolls away. They scamper through for one. And I'm just like... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, filthy. But uh, the Indian crowd, they... Because um, I... I one of my uh, worst choices in hairstyles was long blonde hair, but I like Ian Harvey, um, who had similar hair. And they, the Indian supporters didn't like halves for some reason, so they're yelling out, Harvey's a wanker, and he wasn't even out there. So I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> so that's, that's probably why he went to AFL and not, uh, yeah. not cricket then. Didn't need the Indian supporters, mate. The Indian supporters didn't tend to like footy, so I was clear with that, but... Uh, yeah, mate, they, they certainly, geez, when Sachin come out to bat, mate, you should have seen yeah. the crowd. They went wild and it's still one of my claim to fame that so I've actually got to shake the little master's hand, mate. I'm, I'm pumped with that. Oh, yeah. That, that is gold, isn't it? What a great experience. You know, Billy Brownless actually was not a bad district player, you know, young, and he had a 12-man experience there. Um, amazing. And particularly India, so there would have been a crowd at least, you know, if it was yeah. one of the other nations. But, mate, so it's footy. You go as number one. Like, how um, early did you know you were going number one? And and what about the expectations? You know, in that preseason and your first season. Uh, yeah, well, in terms of knowing when I was, like I, 
Yeah, as a young bloke, I used to read all the press and uh, and you hear what people are talking about just because you're interested to see wh- whether you're rated and how well you're going. My biggest thing was I wanted to keep playing good footy and I wanted to go as high as I could. That was just a goal of mine, uh, regardless. Of, you know, getting on a list was great, but I wanted to try and shore it up a little bit, you know, and, and see whether I could get um, pretty high. I found out the night before, Greg Miller, the recruiting manager at um, or footy manager he was then at the time, at, the Tigers rang me and just said, look, mate, uh, we're going to go with you at pick one. That just was like, geez, yeah. I calm down. I don't have to stress too much. Um, how long? How long before the draft do you get told that? The night before. So this was. Oh, uh, oh. I'm sitting there watching. Uh, I don't know what we're watching. We're just kicking back on a Friday night, and then no one were coming down to the draft, so we knew that much, but we didn't know where we're going. Um, but yeah, he rang, and then I. I was good mates with Ruff, so we. Um, I was on the phone to him, and I just said, "Oh, this is mate. They've told me I'm going one. They're, they're touting you at going number four. We're going to get to play together. It's going to be awesome. Um, how good's this? We get to the draft the next day, and Hawthorne bugger it up and pick him at two. So uh, all our windows, all our, uh, our thoughts and um, plans had gone out the window. But uh, yeah, in terms of pressure, Flem. Oh, look. When I first got there, I didn't I didn't feel um, pressure because I was number one. I just wanted to perform and earn respect to my teammates, I suppose, and just train really hard and show them that I wasn't just going to rest on talent alone to get a game. I wanted to try and train my way into a side and perform in the games that were leading up into it. And then once I got my first taste in the NAB Cup to then or Wizard Cup, I think it was back then, to then play round one, I just wanted to keep playing as much as I could and just make sure I did enough week in, week out to keep playing. So I think I only averaged like 15 touches a game and kicked a goal a game. But, um, mate, I was wrapped, played all 22 in the end. And, um, yeah, mate, it feels like forever ago now that that was when it happened. Hey, um, how significant was round two? Because when you played that second ta- ta- uh, round, you'd played twice as many games as your dad. Yeah. <laughs> significant. It was huge, mate. And... Uh, I think I rang him and just said, "Look, mate, uh, no. no more, the, uh, no more input, thanks. Um, <laughs> I've got you covered." No, it's funny that, mate. My first game, I played senior footy when I was fifteen. Uh, my first game, and I, uh, I was, I found a heap of space, mate. I got a heap of the footy, and I was just like, "This is awesome. This is what senior <laughs> footy is all about." Um, I started my first AFL game on fire, five, six touches in the first quarter. I'm just thinking, oh, I've got this clocked. No worries. Um, I think I finished with nine. So, like, <laughs> come on, jockeys the ball, lollies real quick and just realise that uh, you don't ever get ahead of yourself in, in AFL footy, that's for sure, because it kicks you in the backside pretty quick. And we're there, you get in, you go to the squad uh, with the Tigers straight away. Any characters... Uh, from the other boys or some some tough coaches that you kind of had to uh, win over with your training? Um, oh, I was I was always just petrified of like the fitness guys because I, I was never really gifted long distance stuff and they used to just flog you with <laughs> stuff. So I was, I'd try and butter them up a fair bit most of the way through and just be like really become good mates with them and just be like, oh, mate, it's not really my strength, you know, like um, I'll, I'll be good You're at You're fast. Stuff. Yeah. Fast. Um, but in terms of like, characters, uh, mate, I tried to just um, get in with the, the old boys as quickly as I could because I felt that was the best way to learn and get as much experience. So I was, um, I remember ringing dad, or well, dad rang me. I wasn't ringing anyone because I was on, still on prepaid. Um, so I had to worry about my credit. <laughs> um, 
And I was just like, oh, I'm out to, out to lunch with Nathan Brown and Matty Richardson, uh, Kane Johnson, Wayne Campbell. And he's like, oh, geez, mate, that must be great. And I was just like, yeah, well, it is that. I'm actually, I'm learning so much. This is awesome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, mate, characters, oh, mate, there's plenty of blokes that were funny buggers. But, um, geez, it's a long time ago. It's 15 years ago. Kane Pettifer was probably one of the funniest oh. guys. A guy that I played, at, uh, he's from Kai. So I spent a lot of time with him back and forth from Kai and shooting trips and all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, him and Rory The boys Hilton, seemed to, to love him. Yeah, and he took big hangers too, didn't he? He carried on afterwards. <laughs> Mate, he, um, yeah, well, he, caught, he nicknamed himself the P-Plane and, and, and Plough <laughs> got a hold of that after a game we'd lost and he hadn't played very well and he goes, P-Plane, more like bloody P-Brain. And the boys just lost it. <laughs> they thought that was, that was hilarious. Um, and... Um, and what about Richo? I mean, he's much loved, isn't he, uh, these days, opposition teams. Um, but, you know, he was such a magnetic force on the forward line. You know, an amazing athlete. Oh, mate. He's he's still, and I tell everyone this, that he, he's the best player still that I've played with. And I've played with some um, genuine stars. Obviously, Rancy and Dusty Martin, um, Jezza Cameron, Lockie Whitfield, those boys up north. But Richo's still the best player that I've played with. But his size and ability to run the way he did, and uh, he's the best contested mark player of all time, and still kicked 800 goals, 820 odd <laughs> goals. Mate, please. Um, yeah, but mate, one of the most generous big blokes um, you'll ever come across. He, I remember he took me to a Metallica concert just out of the good of his heart um, when I was a younger bloke. Yeah, you'd love that, Flem. Yeah. Um, but we, this is how big a dog he was, and this is how you know you're a big dog. Metallica are there um, in the, uh, like, they're about to come on. The mosh pit have turned around, and they've started giving it to Richo. We're in row one. Richo, Richo. So I was just like, this is great. You are, you are the biggest dog I've ever come across. Oh, man, that's mad. I remember seeing Plugger at a Def Leppard concert, you know, but he didn't get the chanting. From the mosh pit. Well, there's no mosh pit at Def Leppard. You've got to be yeah. big. Oh, mate. And that's, they just, they turn around, like, oh, there's Richo. Richo. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is awesome. It sounds, uh, sounds like you had some cracking mates, but um, a couple of them may have just thrown you under the bus here a little bit uh, with a potential golf trip down to um, Anglesey that's just kind of want to delve into a little bit more there. Liz, do you, do you remember going down? First, who's who's showing me? This? Who's showing you this? Oh no, you never you never reveal your sources here, mate. Yeah, so this will yeah. keep my uh, cards to the chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we um, this this happened around two thousand and fourteen. We were there was I don't know whether you remember or we watched much footy, um, but we were rubbish most of the way through the year. Or we're, we're okay, but we were around the mark. We we won nine games in a row, but on the back of those nine games, we were doing a heap of like bonding. Um, yes. Um, and we were Good lucky enough. Culture. Yeah, culture. Exactly right. Um, but yeah, we had two buys that year, and one of the buys was like round eighteen. We just beaten Port Adelaide, I think it was, and we had three or four days off. So I said to the boys, right, we're going down. My wife's family got a house um, down in Anglesey. We'll go and play golf down at Thirteenth Beach, um, and then we'll you know have a feed at the pub and, and then we'll go back to their place and we'll just kick back. It would be pretty tame, pretty quiet. <laughs> anyway, there was another group of boys that were staying uh, in Barwon Heads 
they've cottoned on. They've come and played golf with us. They've come back to the pub in Anglesey with us. We're like putting ridiculous drinks on made shots in on the pool table to purchasing. Everyone put in twenty or fifty bucks or something. We bought like bottles oh. of Captain Morgan and um, beers and whatever else. My father-in-law was pumped because he he just had a fridge full of uh, beers because we just went straight to spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I don't know whether you've had a night on the Captain Morgan, but I tell you what, the next day I was ready to check out. That was it. I was, looked at my phone. Uh, nah, that's it. <laughs> I'm not drinking again for the rest of the year. I was cooked. Mate, we had a we had a great time and we bonded and we continued to win. So, mates, a lot can be said for that. Yeah, team bonding, mate. It's huge, massive. <laughs> <laughs> and have you ever gone back to Captain Morgan? Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Hey, um, and mate, you had such a good run, didn't you? You played so many games, and then and then the injuries just started to to come, uh, one after a, another. Can you talk about like, um, you know, coping with that? Yep. Firstly, from having an uninjured run, and then also, you know, myself being an injury prone fast bowler. Some of the methods I went to use just to get myself on the park, you know. Uh, in the end, I was trying everything. Yeah. Um, well, I guess when I was going through my run of just playing, I was, I didn't know any different. I just thought, well, this is what I've got to, this is what I do. We weren't a great side. And so I thought, well, if I can get better and train harder, maybe that'll make me better, which will make us better. <clears throat> so I just, I just flogged myself basically for eight to nine years of, um, hardly took a break really. When even when I had like, my time off at the end of the year, I'd see that as an opportunity to try and, um, yeah. Go again and see whether I could add something else. Um, you know, to the point where I'd go back. We'd finished playing. My brother was still playing finals for his home club or for Kai. Back for Kai, and I'd go back and train with them. Like I'd just finished the footy season <laughs> and go back. And train with them. <laughs> I was just like, oh well, may as well get an extra session in. Maybe that'll give me a leg up, you know. But um, yeah, it wasn't until like 2014, I reckon. Yeah, 20, 2014, I started to get, um, I had my first like calf niggle um, and I've, I had Achilles problems for a little while and I think yeah. it's a combination of um, uh, like overload in terms of like, because I, I flogged myself and never really took a proper break for so long, but also because I had Achilles problems, I'd try and really strengthen the Achilles, which then I think stressed out my calf um, my, and my soleus. And just whenever I, if I did it too much and... Um, you could never just get a really consistent run. I'd always play, you know, uh, 16 games in a row, but never be able to put together a whole season without um, getting a little niggle. And then by the time I'd left um, the Tigers in 2016, um, I think I'd missed <coughs> uh, – when I left the Tigers, I think I'd only missed like eight games maybe, but I'd, oh. I'd only played 32 or possible 72, I think, at, um, at the Giants – so, mate, it's, um, you're right. In terms of things that you try, like I've yeah, tried um, PRP, which is obviously taking your blood out, spinning it, putting it back in um, to help it heal better. I've tried dry needling, just like not just leaving it in there as acupuncture, but like trying to stimulate, get blood flow in it. So, mate, that's one of the most painful things I've ever done. <laughs> I've tried, um, what do you call it? The, the shockwave stuff where you, like you're zapping it. Um, 
strength, no strength, running, no yeah. running, digging, all that sort of stuff, sled work, mate, I've, I've done it and I just haven't got an answer um, to the point where, yeah, mate, I hate running and I, will, I don't really want to ever run around and around in the circles on a cricket or footy oval ever again. And fair enough too, mate. But um, with that, like you've gone from a career basically of no injuries to then in and out, on and off the field, never really, you know, hitting your hitting your stride probably all the way that you want to go about it. What did that do for you, for you mentally when you when you're missing these games? Um, and then did you try and uh, was there someone you could go to or, or someone you used maybe at the club or outside of the club that kind of helped you through? Yeah, oh, mate, I had um, plenty of people uh, close to me to be able to gain perspective on it all. It, the hardest thing was, mate, is because I've been so durable, so you build, you you just get used to being able just to push through. And I, that probably hurt me a little bit early on with my calf injuries because I just thought I'll be right, I'll quit, I'll heal quick, and I'll I can get through this pain. Um, but then as they kept mounting up, I um, like I just had so many. Um, times where I was just like this is ridiculous but Wayne Campbell was great for me he's one of my close mates yeah. up at the Giants one of the reasons I went up there and he would he'd be the first bloke over to our place um after I'd injured myself when I was sitting at home knowing that I had another three or four weeks on the sideline or in, in some cases I had eight to ten weeks because I'd hurt the tendon so um <clears throat> be a bottle of wine plonk you say right, mate <laughs> Next yeah. little bit, I'm not going to worry anything. Um, what we need to do is just clear the mind. Yeah. But, mate, like, as I said, I had perspective uh, about my injuries and I wasn't too hell-bent on what was going on with my injuries because I had my – like, you know, I had a shocking run, to be honest, mate. When I first went up there, I lost my pa. The day I was moving up to Sydney, I lost my auntie to breast cancer The like in the first couple of months. Then my – um, sister-in-law had her brain tumour come back um, and then not long after that my little nephew was diagnosed with a non-related brain tumour as well and then oh. we lost both of those two guys as well so like there was um, I had plenty of perspective and we, we perspective had a, a, yeah terrible, a terrible terrible run mate and there was no need for me or any chance of me complaining about a calf injury when I had my brother-in-law who's just lost his son and his wife and he's got to care for his his other son by himself, uh, and my cousins yeah. who have just lost their mum, and a lady who was basically my second mum when I first moved down. You know, so mate, yeah, there was no no time for poor me. It was just right. Well, let's uh, let's be thankful for what I did have, and that was a job and a beautiful, healthy family, and um, yeah, things to, to be grateful for, mate. That's all I kept focusing on, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good focus. Brilliant. Um, and, mate, another bit of sp- uh, sweet moment was obviously when the Tigers went on to, to win the Premiership. They knocked you out in the in the prelim. So tough just to deal up. with your, yourself. But you must just be to your record. What about a bit of sweet for, for some of your teammates? Yeah, it's not, there's no doubt, Swim. There is a, <laughs> a, sweet, a little sweet bit, but it's not very big. Um I'll be honest, mate. I was heartbroken when that happened because I thought that I was a real chance to um, to have that success when I was there, and that's what I wanted. Um, that's what I was training for and flogging myself for to to get that. But um, yeah, mate, credit to them. They turned it around at the end of sixteen and um, and turned themselves into the powerhouse that they still are now. Really, yeah. So 
it's um it's been it's it's enjoyable to watch mate because they are an enjoyable team to play with but there's not too many there still now that I went through with when I first started and and even less that um you're playing there now yep and you've so we've moved on. We don't want to talk about Tigers Premiership, mate. You're not, you're not there. Thanks, that mate. I don't like the Tigers anyway. So, um, <laughs> but mate, um, a pretty big decision over the last year, I guess, was was your retirement, um, and and then moving on into further roles. Uh, firstly, how like how did you know it was time to retire? Well, it was probably. Mate, as most athletes will probably tell you, they want to keep going forever. Um, and, I, and I was no different. I, want, I thought that I could still play. I probably still think I can play now. But my body just, as much as it hurts me to say, just let me down too many times. And it was <clears throat> not worth the pain that it was putting me through, but also my wife and, and the kids and just the miserable mood that I was always in because of my injuries. Um, and regardless of um, the chance of playing in, you know, four games here and missing another four or five and then another four. It just um, – and, and this was a really frank conversation that I had with Cambo and and, uh, and Leon Cameron. And they just said, mate, look for the – I just don't think it's worthwhile um, going through with it. And have you really thought about what that looks like in terms of your headspace? You've had a great career. Do you want to keep going with it? Um, and I think basically they're just saying, mate, you're getting the ass. <laughs> Sorry, you're out. <laughs> um yeah. Lids, did, oh. did you? I mean, Pete's still playing, and we want to play. The hardest thing I felt, and, and luckily I had a job coaching, you know, where you're we're heading to. Um, I was looking forward to that, but it was hard to, you know, when you retire, you're actually giving up, and you train yourself not to give up. That that was the hardest yeah. thing for me was to give up. You that just yeah. that last final call. Yeah, and I, mate. I still probably haven't given up enough. I still train too hard. Um, it only took me three or four days post end of season celebrations and whatever else to go for a run. Um, and mate, I, I just don't want to be that fat old bloke on the beach uh, who used to play AFL that no one recognises anymore. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I keep training, mate. But um, you're right, it is, it is hard. And I, you still... you. You still have that itch to want to play, mate. I've got aspirations to play with my brother down at Torquay at some stage, um, whether yeah. it's next year or if we actually get back on the park at all at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, mate, it is. It, it's hard, and you, know, you just you don't want to give it up because you just love it. No, and but you know, and obviously we're all in tough times, and the, the position at Hawthorne as a as a playing coach would have been ideal, but you know that that hasn't worked out for, for yourself and a lot of people in the footy industry, but. You've gone into to player management, so you've got the opportunity to create some dreams for, for, for players like you 15 years ago. Yeah, mate, I went into coaching probably because I felt like that was what I was most qualified in and what I, I love the development side of it in terms of working with young blokes. And when that was taken away, um, obviously through whatever's happened, um, I the next best thing was... Um, in terms of development and developing my passion was going into probably player agency. And I was lucky that um, my manager, who I've been with for what, 17 years now, was um, taking me on board and, and teaching me the ropes at the moment, which is it's really exciting, mate. And, and as you said, it's really guiding young people through that are young boys through that are um, in the same position I was. And I'm just giving them everything that I learned over the journey and, um, you know, what I know that I liked in my from my management, my manager and my management um, crew is what I'm trying to 
develop um, with them and it's, mate, it's exciting, but it's in its infancy at the moment. You know, we, we, we're doing a lot of these things, mate, a lot of Zoom calls. I'm a pro at these, but um, it's, uh, yeah, it's got its challenges. Um, okay, to finish up, been a fascinating chat. Uh, we did it with Goldie last week. Can you pick your or select your favourite cricket 11 of all time? I can, yeah. Um, it's not just Australian, so I've gone no. real wide. Um, opening the batting, I have um, Big Haydos and Davey Warner, a couple of dashes, Grey Nick boys that just smash it, love it. Um, as I said earlier, I loved um, Punter. So yeah, Punter, punter with a goatee. I want a Punter with a goatee and a, uh, the baggy green, no helmet. Um, uh, so, and with the Ridgeback. I used to love the Ridgeback. Oh, uh, at number four, I've gone for uh, one of the best all-rounders of all time in Jarks Cullis. Um, I just, I've probably emulated a little bit of my game off him, um, being able to bowl and, and bat a bit, not quite as high. <laughs> you scored quicker than Jarks. Yeah, he, he probably slowed down a bit, but... Um, <laughs> I feel like you hit, you hit the ball further as well. What's that, mate? You hit the ball further as well. <laughs> didn't hit it very far. Well, I didn't watch him that close. Um <laughs> Number five, one of the all-times most stylish batsmen ever in Brian Lara. Oh, um, yeah. Had the pleasure of meeting him in the back stalls of Boutique one night. <laughs> <with him already. laughs> Brian Lara. Least, mate, one of Champion. the great stories. Yeah. Um, this was a really tough one. I could have gone either way here, but I went with who I really like to watch, and that's Virat Kohli at number six. I thought it could have gone maybe higher up the order, but I like the other boys a bit more. Um, <laughs> my batting keeper with a special mention to Pete Hanscom, Adam Gilchrist. Uh, um, sorry, Pete. No, no. no, no. Uh, he, was, he was okay. He was okay, Gil. Just, just. Um, Kumar Sangakara probably just missed out there as well. He's another one that I yeah. love to watch. So stylish. Um I've gone for a big, dangerous left armour who used to like to bash it a bit too, which is Mitchie Johnson at uh, number eight. Um, loved uh, Warney at number nine. Got over King of Spinning there. <laughs> Why is that funny? Normally he gets picked for his off-field activities, but you forget that he was pretty good on the field as well. Oh, mate, I'm, I didn't go for anyone for off-field here. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm all on-field. I'm about performance. <laughs> Um, number 10, and I love this bloke, wheels, swings at uh, Dale Stane, angry, oh. love his pattern. One of my all-time favourites to watch. Yeah. Number 11, big Pidge McGrath, mate, just on yeah. a dime. Um, I've even picked a, a 12th man. Steve Smith was the unlucky bugger who uh, who's 12th man because I could have had him at six for Coley, but I, um, I think he'd be really good at carrying drinks. And uh, Flem, you're the coach, mate, so well done. Uh, oh, thanks, oh, mate. Yeah. Even after even after Flem's disappointing uh, under nineteen selection crisis, he still gets the coaching. I didn't know that. So you're I'm going re- to re- I'm gonna redo that. I'm going to redo that, and you're you're number one, Pete. What'd you make of that team? Well, it's definitely uh, heavily performance based. Um, going, I think if you put that, uh, I mean, we'll see. But we put that team up against Goldies. I think um, probably on field you'll be doing. Uh, a lot of damage, whereas uh, Goldie's team maybe off field might be doing a bit more damage. But um, no, one hell of a team there and, and some really, really classy players. 
And Leeds, mm. mate, thanks a lot for the chat. You sort of took us everywhere there. We had a bit of a laugh and that all, talking about, you know, perspective as well, what's, what's happened to you, you know, later in your career. I think you're in a great position to be a fantastic player manager. So thanks for coming on the Bowlology Report. But most of all, good luck with the after footy life. No worries, boys. Absolute pleasure anytime. Love to come back. Thanks, Leeds. Well, that's it for the Bowlology Report. How good Marcus Harris and Brett Delidio were fantastic. Uh, Pete, uh, also we can promote next week. We've got uh, one of Australia's finest um, opening batsmen, probably the original two-pot screamer in the Aussie team in my days. It's the beauty. It's Michael Slater, Slatsy. I don't know yes. if you recall him playing, but he didn't block too many. <laughs> I don't know. I was watching a one-day game the other day and uh, he might have been striking at 50. So it could be, it could be an interesting discussion next week, Flynn. Actually, uh, that is a question yeah. because if you look up I reckon his strike, I'm only guessing, I reckon his strike rate in test match cricket would probably be quicker than um, one-day cricket. So we might ask him that to uh, answer why that happened. Mm, I reckon he might know his stats as well. So we'll, we'll uh, yeah, test him out. No doubt about that. Uh, also, just a shout-out, thanks to all the, the listeners and people subscribing, making comments. Uh, two listeners in Antigua, uh, the CPL's yeah. starting up. They probably wanted to know what was happening there. But... Um, what a, I don't know if you've been there. What a great little island. Like only 30,000 people and they've um, produced like Sir Vivian Richards, uh, Sir Richie Richardson, Sir Curtly Ambrose, Sir Andy Robert, a lot of sirs, but some of the greatest cricketers of all time and uh, and very passionate cricket fans as well. Mm. Must be something in the water or, or maybe the rum. I think more the rum. Mm. And yeah. it, it, it's delicious. But that's the Biology Report. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Flem. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.